Hey, is this thing on? I am Queensman. Hi everyone, my name is Alyssa and you are listening to the All Things Pelvic podcast where you get to follow my life as a pelvic floor physical therapist. That may sound a little boring, but real quick, let me break it down. I bring up topics that most people find difficult to talk about, but maybe it's time we get comfortable with discussing the uncomfortable. I always strive for real talk, good vibes, and mostly all things pelvic. Join me and my guests as we discuss healthcare, culture, and real life topics. Are you ready? Because it's time to take a page out of my playbook. Welcome back to All Things Pelvic. Today is a beautiful Thursday. It is the end of the, close to the end of the week, I should say. And there's kind of been a common theme for me this week. I have been ranting about all of my doula friends and the amazing doulas that I work with. And with that being said, Desiree, please introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Desiree, um, and I am a birth doula. Um, It's very exciting work. I really love it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) as you should. As you should. Now, honestly, even just a couple of years ago, I did not know what a doula was you know and I just remember meeting one of my coworkers, and I was like you're a what now I was like what and and it kind of made me sad that I was in pelvic floor world and I didn't know you know that there are doulas out there so can you actually just explain a little bit of like you know the work that you do and the difference you know of a doula in comparison to like a midwife just go for it give us the rundown (laughs) all right a doula if you want to think is basically like your birth cheerleader. We are your, we are like your birth best friend, okay? (laughs) Or like your birth hype man or woman. Um, So typically in the United States, uh, doulas work for themselves and we are hired by the birthing person or the birthing family separate from being hired like inside of the hospital, right? Some hospitals do have doula programs, most don't. Okay. Our job is to basically support the birthing person and and the partner, um, the birthing family, and we support in a multitude of ways. So I always think of it in threes. The first is we support you emotionally, Mm -hmm. informationally, and physically. The second is we support you pregnancy, birth, and the immediate postpartum. There is also another fields called postpartum doulas and postpartum doulas do just that they support you in the postpartum period but a birth doula will support you in that early time of postpartum and I think that um honestly so let me answer your other question how are we different from um midwives and OBs so we are not medically trained Mm -hmm. even if we have a nursing background when acting as a doula to stay in our scope of practice we do not practice anything medical we don't do vaginal exams um we wouldn't be the one to come and um catch your baby we are not you know like doing any of those things we're not checking blood pressures we're not doing things like that we are really there to support um you in your desired birth. So if you say to me, Desiree, I am not cool with the idea of being in any sort of discomfort. I want an epidural in the parking lot. Or you say, Desiree, do everything we can so that I have an unmedicated vaginal birth. Awesome. I'm going to support you regardless of what you choose because it's your birth. Um, And I think the most important piece, honestly, is the emotional and the informational support. The physical support, I think, is why we always get hired. Mm -hmm. Um, Not always. I take that back. Why we often get hired when people think about a doula. But um, the emotional and informational support that we give, I think, is really different from what someone is getting from their birth team. Sure. Think of think of like you, right? You should be part of everybody's birth team, a chiropractor, a midwife, whomever, right? That's definitely physical support. Um, I think we have the unique perspective of being able to offer the informational and emotional support on top of physical. Totally. 
I, you know how they say you, you should be learning something new every day. I literally Mm -hmm. just learned so much from even what you just said. Now, I actually didn't realize that there's a difference between a birthing doula and postpartum as well. I mean, obviously those are two different things. So like, of course that would make sense, but I just kind of had the assumption that the, you know, the doula that was helping you through the birthing process may be also the one helping you postpartum, but I didn't realize that there's actually those specific niches in there. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's so great. And I I mean, I was a cheerleader, so I'm all about that life. (laughs) So I, I completely understand that. But I also have spoken to a few friends about how they weren't sure who was going to deliver their baby for the most part. So I also think then having that person, you know, that so-called cheerleader to Uh be by your side, if you're not sure of that is like, it's just an extra comfort to moms in general. Absolutely. Completely. Um, So if you think about, if you have, so let's pretend that you're listening and you have had not had a baby. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that is so shocking to people is um, how much time you spend alone in the hospital room. Now let's, we're talking like, let's say hospital birth, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say you have an OB. Um, you also have nurses. And then let's say you have a support person. Um, let's say it's your sister. Okay. So you and your sister are there, the nurses come in, they're checking on you and they're checking your blood pressure. Can I get you anything? Do you need any water? Everything looks good. Uh, And then they have other patients that they have to go see and you're sort of sitting there. And if neither one of you and your sister have ever been through this before, that's when I think the wheels can start to start to get going as well as um, the reassurance that things that are happening are normal or, or not normal right it's really hard to be that support person and see the person that you really care about in any sort of turmoil discomfort uh whatever they might be experiencing and i think that's why when you talk about having a doula with you you hear that there are decreased um requests for an epidural decreased incidences of cesarean because we are there with you the entirety of your labor um and the other thing to mention is that they work on shifts, doctors and nurses. So mm-hmm. if they're, if you come in and their shift ends at seven and you get there at five, unfortunately at seven, you're going to have a switch. Um, so sometimes we're there for 24, 30 plus hours. We never leave your side and we know you really well before that. Right. Um, I don't if, We'll t- we could probably talk about this at the end, but I, on my Instagram account, on social media, I had Dr. Neil Shaw come on. He is an OB in Massachusetts. Talk about birthy things. I was like really <laughs> fangirling, seriously, because he's uh-huh. so, so brilliant. But he said, and I think this is so important to mention, birth is a team sport, and it is the only team sport where you haven't met where you very well have not met the members of your team before it's time to play your game. Wow. That's a really cool way of putting it. And it put, it really does put things into perspective. You know, like if we were going to go play a football game, baseball, volleyball, it's, it's always hard when you don't know the players. That's right. And the doula is sort of that in between because the doula has been with the birthing person. I mean, sometimes for me, sometimes I'm hired even before the, the birthing person is pregnant um, and I can support them through trying to conceive. And sometimes we're hired as early as like four or five, eight weeks. Um, And so we spend hands down way more time, phone calls, texts, meetings, um, sessions with our clients than an OB or midwife probably ever would. And then you also just said you're there for the entire birth as well so Mm -hmm. okay 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 I have a lot of questions yeah (laughs) I have a lot of questions I mean clearly yes of course so kind of two that lead into each other a little bit now you're clearly passionate about this you know like I'm passionate about my field as well I think most of us are that go into this type of work right yep but okay 
first things first, how did you get into this? Because since you are so passionate about it, I feel like, and you don't, you know, you don't have to disclose like too much, but oh. I'm kind of feeling that something personal happened here. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So there's yeah. that. And then yeah. nothing that sparks, for, I mean, the next thing that sparks for me too is like, you are with these, you know, your clients for this amount of time. Like what are typical sessions like for you, mm-hmm. you know, appointments sure. with them. Yeah. I need, I need to know those two things. All right. I'm going to tell you all the things. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back, right? Let's go okay. back in time. Love it. Love um, it. okay. I went to, um, school for entrepreneurship. I knew that I always wanted to run my own business. I wasn't really sure what kind of business I actually thought for a while I wanted to have a magazine that just talked about food because I love food, but that's for another day uh, in another podcast. Same. episode. <laughs> um, but, and I went through like all the things like, you know, like a kindergartner. I'm like, oh, I want to do this and this, but I knew I wanted to run my own business. Okay. And then you get out of school and you get a job and like the corporate world. And sometimes it's kind of hard to make a break into starting something because when you get sucked up in that corporate world, the money is good. Mm-hmm. And then when you leave, it's like, there's all this instability in the meantime, while I'm working in corporate. And I always tell my clients that I'm a lady in the streets and a freak in the spreadsheets. Love they get that. It. <laughs> it's true. Um, I've got the corporate background, even in my doula business. Um, my husband and I, uh, had been together for now, like almost 13 years, but, um, we decided that we were going to get married and add to our family. My husband has three kids. So we wanted to be a blended family. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we started talking about this, thinking to myself, not realizing that this thought was like a little bit insulting to my husband who, like I just mentioned, has three children. I was like, well, who the hell is going to support me during the birth? (laughs) You know? And I didn't even, I never even heard the word doula. I didn't even know that this job existed, but I remember thinking that. And I think there's a, that even having that thought reassures me over and over that I'm doing the right thing because it just seems like such common sense that we shouldn't be doing this solo right? Like there should be a lot of love and support around. Um, and my parents aren't alive anymore. And my grandma was older at the time before she had passed. And I remember thinking like, I will have no family to help me. Like, who will I ask questions to? Who will come and help me like with the baby after? Um, and so I started searching and I found it, at first I found postpartum doula. I was like, oh, cool. So this person can like come help do overnights and help you figure out feeding. And then I found out about a birth doula and I was like, oh, all the like sciencey nerd loving anything medical in me was so intrigued. And then, um, I've also always been like mothering to people and to, to my friends and just wanting to take care of people. Um, and so this like idea started and I looked into certification programs and I jumped in head, head first. I was like, what is the power of that saying? It goes feet first, head first. I don't know. Yeah. I dove in. Yeah. I, I was just going to say diving. Is that what we're looking for? I have no for? idea. <laughs> I, I cannonballed right in. <laughs> into it. How about that? I did a cannonball. And actually it was more like a belly flop because (laughs) I started doing my training and my certification. And in the meantime, my husband and I are trying and trying and there's like no baby coming. Mm -hmm. And so these two things that are like definitely polar, like on polar opposites are happening at Mm -hmm. the same time. And fortunately for me, um, I stumbled upon the support, community for infertility and loss that Instagram has randomly. And, um, I started meeting people and talking to people and with my doula certification, I needed to, um, attend three births to become certified. Well, I remember being scared about that because I thought to myself, how am I going to be in the room and watch somebody have a baby if I cannot have a baby myself? And this is all that I want. It was really scary. And one of the women in my support system became pregnant after infertility. And she said, well, why don't you just come to my birth as like one of your births? And so we, I said, 
you know, put the things I was learning into practice with her during her pregnancy. And what I really learned very quickly was that expecting after the unexpected, um, and I will talk about why I say it like that, but expecting after the unexpected brings a complete set of unique needs. And um, whether that is because someone has had a loss and they feel detached from their pregnancy out of fear of another loss or um, anxiety, whatever it is. And I thought to myself, wow, like there's something here. And then I go to her birth and it was magic. It was like, I remember driving home and I felt like high on adrenaline. I was like, wow, holy cow, that was something else. And I want more of that. And that's when I decided that I wanted to specialize in what I used to call pregnancy after infertility and loss, but now I call um, expecting after the unexpected, because right. as we know, um, it's not just pregnant. It's not just pregnancy. And I'm so glad we're talking about this during um, mental health awareness, right? Because yeah. Um, yeah, and like so maternal mental health. For anybody that doesn't know, it is mental health awareness month. We are still in yes. the month of May right now. Yes. And, um, I, it's super important to talk about. Sorry, hun, go ahead. Continue. No, it's, yeah. it's totally true. So the, the emotions that come with this don't necessarily have to impact the person who is pregnant and right. it can be the partner It can be if that person is using a surrogate and their baby is growing in someone else, same-sex couples, um, people who have adopted embryos and or done sperm and egg donation. And I just didn't like using that word pregnant because I felt like it was excluding certain people. So Mm -hmm. I say expecting after the unexpected. Um, And those are the people that I, that are sort of like my bread and butter that I love to support. Fortunately, also for me, you know, I had my first daughter with our very last embryo via IVF about three and a half years ago. And then, you know, uh, I don't know if Mercury was in retrograde or something crazy, but after being with my husband for 12 years and never getting pregnant one time on our own, we got pregnant during the pandemic. And so now I have a three month old, which is amazing. Oh my gosh, I didn't there's a nugget like an actual three-month nugget there's a tiny little there's a tiny little nugget well she's got like chubby cheeks she's like not the tiniest nugget (laughs) yeah congratulations Um, you know I yes I didn't yeah I mean first of all I always think Mercury's in retrograde so anytime like something (laughs) slightly bad happens to me and does not go my way I just blame it on the universe always yeah Um, yes what I must say we just even based off of you know, your story of getting pregnant, it, I found that a lot in quarantine. Like a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends got pregnant during that time. And I think it's because everybody just like stopped less stress. There was, I mean, stress in many, many other ways. Um, but everything just kind of calmed down, but Uh amazing. Amazing. I mean, it was the farthest thing from, my in like in the realm of possibility for us yeah because we were told like that that wouldn't happen um and so even being in that situation helped me to become a better doula because there were all these interesting emotions that came with that um so you asked me about my sessions Mm -hmm. um so that's how I became a doula and now I'm a doula Thank you for sharing your story. You know, I always appreciate, yeah, of course. I always appreciate that. And that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you have a a lot of personal things going on and in in a moment where you felt alone, you know, and Mm -hmm. you wanted that support and you got it, you know, you got it. And I think that's so amazing. And so, okay. (laughs) I always, I always have all the questions. Yeah. Yeah. What are your, how, like, if somebody reaches out to you, says, I want a doula, I want a birthing doula, what is the process? So, you know, like what, sure. how many sessions do you offer, you know, and, and how, how does that go? And then like, how many clients do you even have? Because then if you oh, need boy. to, yeah, this <laughs> if is, you then this need is to be a there. crazy time. Oh yeah. I know. Please go ahead. Tell us everything. Uh, so typically, um, 
I always say to people, yes, you should hire your doula as soon as possible. Yep. For people that are expecting after the unexpected, I think they're a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say people expecting after the unexpected become pretty superstitious people. And I think we're just afraid that we're going to, something will happen. Right. Yeah. And I always tell people like, that should be so far off your radar. Like, God forbid you had a loss or anything. I would not even think about like taking a dollar from you. But I think you're going to pay the same whether you hire us at 40, like 38 weeks or eight weeks. So it only benefits you to hire your doula as early as possible because the longer you get to spend with each other and really allow your doula to get to know you and your values, the better that that doula can advocate for you um, and teach you to advocate for yourself. Um, So typically I like to offer what I call three prenatal appointments. So this is before the birth. Um, And the first one is usually around 20-ish, then maybe like 30-ish weeks and then 36 weeks. Um, And we're talking about everything from tell me about yourself. Tell me what's important to you. Who are you guys? Um, How did you get here? Is there anything really important that I need to know about? Um, Do you have your provider? Do you like your provider? So this is a big thing that I talk about. Doulas are really, we have a really unique perspective of the fact that if we are not hired by a hospital, We have attended births at many different hospitals with many different providers, so we can give you the scoop. Now, the thing that's, uh, I think, great about that is we, you know, you'll look on Facebook groups or talk to people and they're like, oh my gosh, I love my doctor. They're so great. And they probably are. Um, And I say like, that's, that's wonderful. That's great when that doctor's great in that situation. We get to see when doctors are great in tough situations and not tough situations. So we get a really well-rounded perspective. And we also understand hospitals' policies and procedures. Um, So we can, and often do, help with recommending things like that. And And if a change is appropriate for what your desire is, I think that's absolutely something that you should and can do, and we can support you through that. So we talk about those sorts of things. Where do you even, like, what do you even imagine your birth is like? Um, And then we start to talk about exercises that you can do. Um, A lot of doulas, we end up doing, like, all the certifications because we're just info junkies. We just love birth. We're weirdos. of course we do. And And so we're... constantly like attending classes from other people and like doing all this knowledge share. Um, And so we'll teach some of those things and then we can help with um, your registry and planning, things like that. Then we start to get into what I call the birth framework. I do not use the word plan ever because I think plan is misleading that you have this huge sense of control. Um, And I never want to promise that anything is going to go anyway. Actually, in fact, if we make that promise, it'll probably not go that way. So, yeah, because um, when you we think have about a-, a plan too, it kind of it gives the idea that something isn't going to change. Yeah, well. and you have to remain so incredibly flexible. Totally, when you I like are- that framework. Framework. Yeah. Might Framework. Steal that. Yeah. I might start to use it. <laughs> you can totally use it. You can leverage it from Love me. It. Love it. Um, So we go through that and we talk about, and I like to do that early on so that there might be things that we talk about and you'll say, I have no idea what that is. And that's great because that means we're going to go on a trip together to learn more about those things. What are, what are these procedures? What are these, um, you know, interventions, who does them? What do they mean? What are the risks? What are the benefits? Um, what is the hospital where I'm birthing at's policy? What are the home birth midwives policy about that at my house? Things like that. Um, and then we start to, I always get into, well, what if we can't have this kind of situation? What is most important to you so that we can bring that through to plan B and plan C? Yeah. I always talk. Yes. Um, I will ask, questions mostly like 
um, you know, like, what do you, what do both of you want from this? If, if they're a couple, um, what's most important to you? Um, do you have any fears? Do you have any concerns? We talk about medical history, obviously, if they have any kind of risk, like high risk. Um, then we start to talk about building the dream team, right? Like pelvic floor PT. Yeah. I'm on speed dial. I know Hello. nothing about that. <laughs> yes. Um, chiropractic. Um, let's see, like acupuncture, things like that, that they can also totally. do. And again, we, we work a lot with other birth workers. So we have great referrals um, to complement everything together. And then we will, towards the end, you know, we start talking about how we're going to get you ready. So the next framework that I do with my clients is a free, is a feeding framework, whether you choose to body feed, breastfeed, chest feed, or you want to bottle feed, or you want to do a combination of both. Let's plan for how that is going, what you can do to set yourself up for success. So really like when I think about my practice, I want to be, I want my clients to be as proactive rather than reactive as possible. Mm -hmm. And then I say, take this feeding framework and get a cute magnet, put it on your fridge so that when things are stressful and baby's not taking a bottle in the middle of the night or they, this formula doesn't agree with them or you have a poor latch and your nipples are really sore, um, who can you go to for support? What sort of troubleshooting can you do? Um, and, I, and I can teach my clients a breastfeeding class as well. Um, and then we start to do towards the end, like how we can get our house ready. Um, what supplies do we need for a vaginal versus a cesarean delivery um, or birth rather? I don't, don't like to use the word delivery, but a cesarean mm -hmm. birth. Um, and then the last thing that we do is we do a postpartum framework, which I think is the most important piece. Totally. Your pregnancy is... It's actually 10 months. Don't let people lie about this nine-month thing. <laughs> 40 weeks does not equal nine months. I don't know how that happened. Um, it's I'm actually so true. I never really... I never really lies. It's that. all lies, right? right? Um, and um, your, your birth, like, oh, God, let's do worst-case scenario. It's going to be, like, a few days. Mm -hmm. But how long are we postpartum for? A long freaking time. So Forever? Yeah. I mean, forever, yeah. right? Yeah. Our body is never, it, it is permanently changed by like physiologically, right? Yeah. And emotionally and mentally. And I see that this is where the preparation is um, the weakest. I think, okay, I have my thoughts on that. I have my thoughts yeah. on that for sure. Preparation is the weakest, first of all, because as soon as that baby comes out, attention is on them. So it's no even, one cares. Oh, yeah, yeah. The mom. my my friends even who are you know who are postpartum officially now you know in yeah just scared yeah. babies are yeah super little and I do make a point sometimes to just say like okay how are you how mm -hmm. are you because if you are not okay. Like, how is the baby going to be okay? And right. I talk to my patients a lot, especially my patients who are pregnant. And, you know, of course, we ask a lot about how are your checkups going? Is the baby mm -hmm. doing okay? But, like, you know, is mom doing all right, too? You know, that that's really important to ask. And postpartum depression is something that is very overlooked. It is uh -huh. insanely, insanely overlooked. I, my podcast episode that was released today, you know, one of my lovely moms, who is also your friend too. <laughs> she is my dear friend. Oh, yeah. I you love know, her. She, you know, she opened up about how, uh -huh. you know, how her doctor pretty much read off of a questionnaire for postpartum uh -huh. depression and she checked off all of the boxes and thought that she was kind of going crazy. Um, yep. And not knowing that that is actually like clinically what postpartum depression is. It's your hormones, first of all are raging at that time. That's right. And for yep. multiple reasons to like yep. help feed the baby because you also just had a 
child. Like it's just, you just, you just produce a human. So like, yeah, your hormones are raging. Like there's, I could go on a rant about this honestly all day, just because it it bothers me a lot that it's not talked about enough. Even, um, I actually tell some of my moms too, I'm like, okay, but have the baby, but then like come in and like, I'm just going to pay for you for an hour. (laughs) Like, you know, screw like my actual PT session. Like I will just pamper you for an hour. That way you have some peace and quiet, you know, or Mm -hmm. bring the baby if you want. I'll hold them. (laughs) I'll Mm -hmm. hold them while you, while, you know, you, we do other things. It's just, yeah. There is, um, there is a huge area of opportunity here mm-hmm. in the United States. Um, this is another thing that I talked about with Dr. Shaw that was on um, my account for an Instagram live. And I, I was so excited to ask him because I think he's amazing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask an OB basically <laughs> what the hell is going on? Like, how do you think it's okay to birth the child and then not check on that mom for six weeks. Yeah. How how is this okay here? Yeah, yeah. And how many times is that baby seen in those six weeks? Tons of times. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, everybody's coming over. They want to hold the baby and all these different things, right? So, I what I learned. I have girlfriends that live in England. Is that the midwife? comes to the house and checks like at two days postpartum and then a week postpartum then like two weeks what and sits there and talks to you and like helps you that's totally bananas and they check for abdominal separation that's right sure that you're okay and that's where it gets really really sticky as you know as a pelvic floor pt as well because my moms of course ask like when should i come in you know is it that Uh six week checkup and stuff and i always say i'm like listen you know technically you can come to me beforehand however make sure to just let your doctor know like i even um one of my patient's daughters who I ended up seeing privately because she could not move. Like she genuinely could not move after she had her baby. She was two weeks in and I was just like, Oh no, 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 no. Cause her midwife, you know, her midwife didn't know the extent of it. And she was like, no, no, no. At six weeks, like go get checked up. So my, um, my patient called me and was just like, listen, like, is there anything we can do? So like, I actually called the midwife and I was like, listen, like, this is what I do. I'm a public floor PT. I can help her do this, this, and this. And she was like, oh, please go see her done. You know? And that was at two weeks. So it's also just letting these providers know about what you do too. And it sometimes takes that one phone call. You know, I could have easily Mm -hmm. just said, okay, well, you know what? She's saying six weeks, like, let's just wait. But sometimes it's just education Mm-hmm. And advocating for your patients, your clients, whoever it is, and you go from there. So absolutely, I think that that is starting to change. You know, where people, I agree. yeah, where people are realizing it a little bit more, which I'm very, mm-hmm. very grateful for. But you also, you've said some things that kind of you. I mean, you have all good points here, <laughs> all good points <laughs> that I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah, making your head big over here. But, yeah, I know. And Thank rightfully you. so. Rightfully so. But it seems like you definitely include, you know, we mentioned Mental Health Awareness Month and you include a lot of mental prep into your clients and your sessions. And I think that, I mean, that's how I am as a PT as well. And I actually have had, I've had some patients also say that to me, you know, like I, I feel like I'm also getting a lot of mental clarity with my body, you know, in connection with the physical and, um, I've always, I do kind of take pride in that because I think that the mind-body connection is super, super important. So yes. how do, would you say that with each client, you would, you include the mental health aspect? Is it something that you just always try to include? I include it with every client, every touch base. Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. But now how are you really? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I love that. Every time. So whether we're talking about a client who falls into expecting after the unexpected, whether we, so for those clients, sometimes I know you had asked earlier about sessions for those clients. Um, I also offer like an upgrade. I call it my deluxe package. Um, and what we do is we do a weekly check-in. It's just 30 minutes. And this is, this is 
like, yes, you can update me on doctor stuff, but this is more like this week, my anxiety was really, really bad. I have, I've been milestone chasing, for example, this Mm -hmm. is a big one. Like I have the worst anxiety, but I told myself like, as soon as I get to my next ultrasound, I'm not going to be stressed anymore and I'll start preparing for the baby. So we'll talk about like tiny little tiny little things that we can do to break down to the next, like what can we do over the next week to be mindful? Um, and just, I'm also checking in case I ever feel worried because you talked about, um, postpartum depression, right? And I want to, I'm going to, I'm writing notes for, obviously nobody can see me because this is a podcast. So I don't want to re- forget to say this because yes, I do, as we talked do. about earlier, have a three and a half month old. So my brain doesn't work at full capacity, of course, but, of course. um, so yes, we are, I'm checking in with like how I think they're also doing emotionally and making sure I'm offering them emotional support. I am making sure that I am a safe place for them mm-hmm. and making sure that they know I am not a therapist. And so sure. if I see anything or hear anything, then I will at this point, hopefully feel like I have a close enough relationship with them to offer like, Hey, are you seeing somebody? Are you talking about these things? Um, but sometimes you had mentioned uh, postpartum depression um, and how that whole evaluation works. Um, you can also experience what we call like antenatal or perinatal mood disorders. Antenatal would be like while you're pregnant. That can even start during pregnancy. Um, and I've had some really scary situations where... Um, I've, I've had to like talk to partners and be like, I think you need to call, um, the provider, the doctor, cause of HIPAA, I can't. Right. right. Um, and one of the things that I suggest to when I kind of see things like that, that are concerning with my clients is I say, before this baby comes, could you please talk to your doctor or the hospital and include, or, and your therapist and, sign whatever papers need to be signed so that your partner can speak to them on your behalf Mm -hmm. because you don't see your doctor for six weeks, your partner or whomever is supporting you is. And sometimes they will see it first. And if they need to pick up the phone and talk to your therapist or talk to your midwife and you don't think there's anything wrong, you can't see it, or you don't want to talk about it, you might say, no, I'm not giving you permission. I right. So I tell people to do it ahead of time. Yeah. Um, that's smart. And then the, I think that's the other smart. thing, yeah, the other thing is that I think when we talk about maternal mental health and maternal mental wellness, um, there is, we don't talk about it enough. And not only do we know talk, talk about it enough, I don't think there's a, enough education about exactly what it can look like. So they fall under this category called PMADS, like perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And postpartum depression is only one of them. So you can also be suffering with postpartum anxiety, postpartum rage, postpartum OCD, mm-hmm. um, or postpartum psychosis. And I think that postpartum psychosis is the one that gets all this attention, right? Like a mom was in a really bad way and she tried to hurt her children or she hurt herself. That is like 1% of the people who have a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. Sure. Um, when you fill out that form, so it's like sometimes they put it on a clipboard, hand it to you when you check in, and then it's just scored. And if the score is a certain something, they don't really talk to you about it. Mm. And I think that that is targeted more towards postpartum depression and not postpartum anxiety or postpartum OCD, which I think are way more common than people realize. I can speak for myself. I definitely had postpartum anxiety. I was so blissed out. I was like not feeling depressed at all. I could not believe I had this little bundle in my arms. And at night I didn't sleep. I would worry about our house catching on fire. And I would think to myself, this is too good to be true that I got through this pregnancy and birth and everybody's healthy. And what if the house catches on fire? How will I get her out? We are on the second floor. She's too little to drop out of the window. Should I go on Amazon and get one of those ladders that I can throw out of the window? But if I get one of those ladders, would I be able to carry her in warm arm and climb down the ladder in another oh, arm? And it just, right. And so it spirals, but those are not the type of questions that are on that form. No, and, or post, postpartum rage where you're just angry and screaming and so there needs to be this education 
well before what we consider the postpartum period. And that is why I think doing the postpartum framework as if it's a couple, like as a couple and talking about how we're going to plan for how things might change, who will we each have for support is one way to try to mitigate the risk of that happening. It won't, I mean, it's not a hundred percent like that. It will prevent that. Right. But now we have more education and things to look for both people or maybe a grandma that lives at the house or whomever can be looking out. And if we talk about this more, our friends will know more about it and might be able to say something to us. Totally. And I think that word of mouth is by far one of the biggest things. Like it could be a sticky thing, you know, especially if you're you're talking about your experience versus your friends. But even with what you just said, like having that education in your head, because I think we all do, we all worry, but at the end of the day, we're like, oh, might not be me. I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to be a super mom. I'm going to be, yeah. a, you know, this and that. I even, um, one of my patients was just like, oh my God, you're probably going to power through any of your future pregnancies. And I was like, and maybe not, but you know what? Mm-hmm. I have the education behind me and that's all I can mm-hmm. do. That is all mm-hmm. I can do. Um, and keeping it there. But I think we all do. Sometimes we have that superhero vibe. Um, Especially if somebody like yourself, entrepreneur, you know, doing your thing and you have this mentality, like everything will be okay, but you know what? Like life, life is scary. Life is scary. Mm -hmm. So I think that having that knowledge in your head and having that education and just being very straight up with clients, like Mm -hmm. honestly, no, like your delivery might not be the best thing ever. (laughs) It might Mm -hmm. not be that. And that's where it's important to have that framework that you, you know, that you do discuss with them and I like that you kind of word it in that way you know just to let them know like plan for this plan for that especially Mm -hmm. your postpartum plan you know with Mm -hmm. the partners or whoever you have that you hopefully that is there to help you and stuff too that's a beautiful plan because it's true unfortunately we do need it needs to be ourselves if you are an adult in the U.S. like you cannot have somebody else speak upon your behalf you can't. It is what That's it right. is. We are not allowed to legally talk to somebody unless it is you. So right. I think that that is genius, honestly. It's genius, especially if you know that somebody might need help and they're not willing right. to see it. And this postpartum plan, I think, is – you mentioned – and going off of what I said about how, you know, if I'm sitting with a couple and we'll say, okay, like, who's going to do this later? Who's going to do that? Um you know, we just kind of talk just basic things, even about like, well, now who's going to take out the garbage? Who's going to do X, Y, Z? What is your, um, maternity, paternity leave look like? Things like that. Right. That's important. It is even more important if this is a single parent. Yeah. Yeah. And it is really important right now when we are living through a pandemic and the isolation is, something that we've never experienced before. The way that we birth in hospitals at home is different. In some ways, there are some good things I think that have come out of it. Um, I say that very, I do not mean about anybody obviously being sick with like COVID or all Mm -hmm. of the lives that have been lost. What I mean by that is we are limiting, for example, like at hospitals, yeah. the amount of visitors that can come. And that's lousy when you want to support a person during your birth. But there isn't your whole extended family sitting in the waiting room trying to see your baby after your baby's born. You're sitting there, maybe with your partner, maybe with your sister, your brother, um, whoever your support person is, and you're really getting to bond with your baby. in that special time um same thing about people having visitors to the home after so many times I would have conversations before I really don't want people to stop by but I feel bad saying no and I'm like now you just blame everything like I'm sorry you know like we're not having visitors at the house no that's like actual real talk yeah 1000 and so of course (laughs) like there there are not I wouldn't wish this to ever happen. What's happened to our country or the world, right? 
but we have to also recognize that it we needed to kind of take a pause yeah and we needed to focus on community and nobody should go through their pregnancy alone nobody should go through their birth alone and nobody should go through both postpartum period alone and that's why I loved when Dr. Shaw said that because that is not how birth and child rearing was designed um and that is why I love Alexis from not safe for moms yeah for mom group my girl because <laughs> yes um I I was an early um early follower of not safe for mom oh. group and I remember thinking as a New Yorker, as a New Yorker who lives in Connecticut, because sometimes I think my directness is not for everybody here, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> that I right? can definitely relate to. Right? That's for damn sure. <laughs> but to but to pretend like you have all your can I swear? Yes, that you have always. all your shit together as like a brand new mom. And when you want to talk about the real stuff and to... that's bullshit. (laughs) It is. That is why we are in the situation that we're in. Right. That is why. Like, for example, okay, I had you on my account, right? Mm -hmm. And I I have attended almost 100 births and I have um, talked to lots of people about birth. And how they're feeling in the postpartum period. And I've taken classes. I was not prepared for the way I was going to feel after my vaginal birth. I had a cesarean the first time. And then I had a VBAC. And I later found out that I had a prolapse. But I was like, why? When I've called and talked to my clients, has no... When I've asked you if you guys are okay, has no one told me that like it feels like everything is falling out of my body. Like I I was not prepared for that. Right. And when I like have some clients that I've kept really close with and I'm like, "Hey, after blah blah blah, like how oh, it was terrible." I was like, "Why didn't you tell me when I asked you? Why did you lie?" Well, it's just embarrassing it's embarrassing to talk about. I'm like, first of all, I just watched you have a baby. So you shouldn't be embarrassed with me." But beside that, like this is that's the problem like that people are getting shamed for talking about this very real stuff that the majority of us are going to go through uh to some extent or another yeah yeah so i i mean i don't give a shit about talking about anything like i will tell somebody up the wall about whatever i want but it all it takes is for somebody without our personalities let's say they're a little bit more on the timid side to say one thing and to have somebody say why are you telling me about that that's all it takes is that one second of one person saying that for them to then shut down and then they don't want to talk about it anymore so that's where even with my questioning sometimes with my patients too like wording is also really really important because there are plenty things that my patients definitely do not disclose until maybe like a few sessions in or something too. Mm-hmm. And then of course I'm kind of just like, oh my gosh, you know, like in my head, I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? But at the same time, like it's, it's not easy, you know, to always talk about these things. So I, I do understand that, but I also think it is culture where it kind of is honed in, in our brains for us to say, maybe you shouldn't say that because like you wouldn't say that at the dinner table, but Oh, I mean, I wish I that I wish that could change. You know, I do, but then I think that that's where, kind of to circle back, the importance of having that team because you know what? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I didn't tell my midwife this, but like my doula knows, and that's right. She can now, or he can now, disclose that to my midwife if, if you know if need be. You know, if need and, be, and like, and I think when we talk about these things, right? Like the other thing that we're teaching, like I said earlier, is that I, I do think the physical support is is not the most important piece yeah. because you just said the informational yeah all the other things that's right which, and yeah. so if we're talking about things like this and we're providing 
people with information. You provide your your patients with information. I provide my clients with information. Then when something doesn't seem right, we can speak up for ourselves and advocate for ourselves versus, well, nobody talks about it. I didn't know that it could feel like my like ass was falling out. Like, <laughs> cool. That's really amazing. Right. Like, I sneezed one time and I was like, I don't even know what just happened right, to my body. Right. Like it was like did my ass horrifying. fall off? Like what? Yes. What happened? What? Yes, <laughs> I, I like thought I sneezed myself inside out. It was so scary. Right. Okay. Like, had other girlfriends and I like over cocktails or whatever talked about that, I probably would have called my midwife earlier mm-hmm. and been like, you know. I don't know, like this just, it hurts and I know it's going to feel different, but like, is this really like normal? Is this okay? And even if you get the answer that everything's fine, like we shouldn't feel like we're burdening our team. No, that's why we are, we work for you. You are the most important person. You are, you can, well, please don't text me every five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But you, but you can, right? Like, yeah, I tell my patients all the time, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I was going to email you. And I was like, you, you could have, you know, I might not answer every five seconds because, you know, I'm treating or doing something, but I will answer you, you know, and I'm happy to answer that question. And I, oh. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I, yeah, and I think I mean that's kind of the point of my podcast too. You know, and and most of the practitioners and workers that I do know, you know, we just kind of we do want to advocate and get the word out there and keep that up. And I must say, you know, after talking to you here, and I know we did like an Instagram live and stuff together, but I definitely, I mean, I tell people all the time how much I love doulas, birth workers, mm-hmm. anybody at postpartum workers, whoever it is, whoever I can come up like of a team with to work with. But even after just talking to you today, like I do think I just have like a better sense of mm-hmm. what, a, you know, you guys take on so much and it's a beautiful thing. It's genuinely mm-hmm. a beautiful thing, but where can people find you with all this good oh. information and to, uh, you know, book you and all that stuff too? Oh, tell amazing. Us, tell so us. people can find me um, at my website, which is www.harmonybirths.com. And I am pretty active on Instagram and that is Harmony Births. Yay. And uh, guys, yeah. as always, you know, I will be posting that information and – Desiree, thank you so much. Honestly, like You're I, so I always, I try to take pride in what I do know, but there's still so much to learn, and oh, I'm so right. happy to talk to you about it. So thank you so much. I am happy to chat. Thank you. <laughs> well, gotta have you, you on here again, right? Sounds great. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to the All Things Pelvic Pod. Have questions, concerns, comments? Want to share your story? Remember to follow me on Instagram at the underscore pelvic floor playbook. DM me, share my stuff, like it, and let me know what you think. As a reminder, this is not medical advice by any means, so don't be out here doing a bunch of nonsense in these streets. If you need me and want a vibe, you know where to find me. I'm out.